Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Why pray part two? Glory be to God. Have you been revved up yet? Hallelujah. It's an extraordinary month. I want to encourage you. If you have not been fasting with us, you have a few more days. Make it count. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. But this is not just a month of supernatural and spiritual exercise. It's a month of training. Because prayer is as much a doctrine as it is a practice. Prayer is as much a doctrine as it is a practice. You learn to pray from the word of God. A lot of people have said you learn to pray by praying. And I agree with them because they are trying to emphasize the discipline of prayer. But strictly speaking, you don't actually learn to pray by praying. You learn to pray in the word of God. The disciples of Jesus, who were once disciples of John, they had a prayer life. They thought they could pray. But when they heard Jesus praying, they waited for him to be done. And when he was done, they came to him and said, Master, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples to pray, teach us to pray. So they had heard John pray. They had learned to pray like John prayed. But when they saw Jesus pray, they knew they had a lot to learn. So they didn't learn to pray by praying. They learned to pray by the teaching of the word. Glory be to God. So this evening, we're going to learn from the word of God. Why pray? Why pray? The reason why many Christians don't pray is because they don't know why. Many Christians are guilty of abusing the privilege of prayer. You see, years ago as a child, I had malaria. And whenever I had malaria, my parents didn't know what to do because I didn't like injections and I didn't like drugs. So... Um, eventually they decided to give me drugs and that was, I mean, war in the house. The whole neighborhood knew something was happening. I was screaming. They were forcing me. They tried all manner. My, my mother um, mixed it with water, put it in. It was worse. What didn't she try? And so eventually she just spoke to me and said, if you don't take this, you won't be better, at least medically speaking. Take it. If you want to take it, take it. <laughs> you know? And mind you, at that time, I was not born again. So you excuse what I'm about to say next. But my dad came, was still forming Voltron, you know, so he was like, take it now before I count 10. So I just did some gimmick, pretended as if I was taking it through some under the chair, you know. And squeezed my, my face as if it was bitter. Meanwhile, nothing entered. 
you know. And then when we were cleaning the house some days after, my mom moved the chair and she saw drugs. And she said, why did you do that? She said, you have abused these drugs. And that was the first time I was hearing that phrase, abuse, used that way. Because I thought drug abuse was only when you took drugs without prescription or when you took it beyond prescription. But now I didn't take it at all. Oh, I only took some. I didn't finish the dosage. And she said, I abused it. It was that day I learned as a young child that drug abuse is not just taking what is not prescribed or taking beyond what is prescribed, but not following the prescription. Hallelujah. So based on that, a lot of Christians are, are guilty of prayer abuse. They're not praying enough. Many who pray, pray the wrong way. And many who know how to pray the right way, don't pray. But they don't pray enough. And the reason is simple. When the purpose of a thing is not known, abuse is inevitable. The reason why a lot of Christians don't pray enough, some don't pray at all, believe it or not, is that they still don't understand the purpose of prayer. They don't. They don't. And we want to talk about that now. You know, I've told you jokingly, you know, how that one day, 6 a.m., I was in JS2. And my dad woke us up. I don't know what sermon he listened to that charged him. I don't know what happened. But he just woke us up and told us, this was, I think he woke us 5 a.m. And he said, get ready, have your bath. Because from 6 a.m., we're going to pray till evening. You know, and I've told you before that my sister and I were, were chatting and we're like, as we're preparing, we're like, he's joking. <laughs> and like joke, like joke. We prayed 12 hours. I was 13. I tried different things. I pretended I was going to die. He didn't care. <laughs> you know, <laughs> by the time it was 12 noon, I told you, he said, let's begin to thank God for answering our prayers. We thought we were about to round off. And I said, open the hymn book. We sang for a while. Then we now carried, I won't mention the name of the ministry. There's a ministry that has this prayer book. This prayer book. He said, we will pray all the prayers. That's when I knew. That's when I knew that (laughs) it will end here today. (laughs) You know. So, I mean, eventually we were done. Let me tell you, we actually did it three days stretch. 12, 12 hours. You know, and when it was done, I mean, when I was doing it, I hated it. I was angry. I was frustrated. I didn't see the point of it. But when we were done, and I was telling people innocently to, you know, just to sympathize with me, I saw that they were impressed. Oh, you prayed 12 hours Three days consecutively, they were impressed. So when I saw they were impressed, I stopped telling people to sympathize with me. I was telling them, like, bragging. So I remember I went to see a relative. And his auntie, who was a pastor, still is. 
called out to me and she wanted to preach to me. You know, so I was waiting for her to finish. <laughs> said, Jesus loves you. He died for you. So I said, how is your work with God? I said, I'm born again. In fact, <laughs> not too long ago, we prayed 12 hours. And then I got a response I never anticipated. She said, why? My honest reaction is, oh, oh, I've heard about you, false prophets. <laughs> Someone said he prayed for longer, asking why. But she was curious. I think she really knew. I don't know. I don't want to say maybe she knew my dad. and She knew that he didn't really know too much in the world then. <laughs> and if he heard that he was prayed 12 hours, it must have been rubbish. So, but... Because I'm wondering why she said, why? I mean, I know the ministry she attends, they pray long, you know. She said, why? She said, what were you praying? Problem. (laughs) You know, she caught me off guard. So I was not trying to think. First of all, I I, I didn't remember. I just knew we were praying a lot of die, die, die. Do you understand? And when when I told her, I saw that she was very perplexed. You know, I saw the reaction on her face like, (laughs) <laughs> you know, I don't know that the conversation was cut short because um, she had to go somewhere and all of that, but it never left my mind. I told someone I prayed for long, not just someone, a pastor, and the person said, Why? Praise the name of Jesus. You see, a lot of us think that the purpose of prayer is our needs. I mean, literally, if you take away requests from many people's prayer, they are left with nothing else. Let's be honest. It's true. And so on Sunday, I taught you about prayer, giving God permission to intervene. And that's powerful. But if that's all there is to prayer, then you have a problem. Praise the name of Jesus. There has to be more to prayer. And because a lot of people have this perspective to prayer, that's why their prayer life fluctuates along with the challenges in their lives. Some people, you can monitor their activity in church. You will know when they are in trouble. When their prayer is loud, you know, "Ah, he needs a new, there's there's problem in his office. Then when, you know, you don't see him, you're like, brother, you, you, you've not been to church. You say, oh, I've been very busy. You know, you know he, has, he has money now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because a lot of people have associated prayer with needs. And then, and I want to ask, when Adam was fellowshipping with God, why was he fellowshipping with God? This was before the fall. There were no demons to cast out. No sickness to heal. No jobs to request for. What was the content of his fellowship? Do you understand my question? What was the content of his fellowship? The Bible talks about the second coming and the final coming of Christ. He said he will wipe away the tear from every eye. But then we are going to fellowship with God. Not only are we going to fellowship with God, we're going to fellowship with Him forever. What will be 
the context of that fellowship, what are we going to say? If prayer is about needs, what will prayer be like in heaven? What was prayer like before the fall? Prayer has to be more than our needs. Does that make light of your needs? Emphatically not. The Bible says, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospereth. So it's God's desire. I'm only saying there is more to prayer than that. Praise the name of Jesus. In fact, I discovered that as I continue to grow spiritually, the less I asked for things as I prayed. I couldn't understand why. Especially when I got filled with the Spirit and I learned to pray in tongues. You know, I'm praying. You know, in fact, many times, I'm like, I'm going to pray about this problem. When I kneel and start praying in tongues, something else will come out. I will start saying something else, just praising God or something. If you know what I'm saying, raise your hand. You know, I, I just couldn't bring myself to. And I couldn't understand why. But the irony is, I got more answers than when I was always asking for things. When my focus was on fellowship with the Father, I operated more in divine direction than when I was always asking, lead me, lead me, lead me, lead me, oh! I will not go except you go with me. I will not go except you. I will not... (laughs) Usually, when people pray like that, when they are tired, they will just go. (laughs) Am I not saying the truth? (laughs) You want to pray like Moses. You don't know who you are. Hallelujah. I discovered that when I focused on fellowship with the Father, I operated with more authority than when I prayed die-die prayers. Now I stepped into rooms and people were cringing, you know, and demons were reacting. All of their own accord. Something had changed. Something had changed. I've noticed something. I've noticed that many prayer warriors... They don't flow in power gifts. Have you noticed it? Not all, but many. I couldn't understand why. Even back then in school, there was something, I've told you this story before, but there's a part I didn't tell you. Because I don't make a habit to say this. I will say this, just for the sake of the teaching. A guy had a demon spirit. And so some guys gathered around him, prayed for him in the hostel. The demon spoke out and said, on this, I attended Covenant University. He said, on this ground, only Oyedepo and Immanuelian can cast me out. So, they did all manner of things. Nothing worked. So they planned that another time they were going to accost him and try to drag him to me or tell him, persuade me to come to their hostel or something like that. But the next day, innocently, I was just going on my own. And in the chapel, I saw the guy, I knew something was wrong. 
So I told him, I said, I, usually then I didn't used to tell people why. You know, I would just say, I'd like to pray with you, you know, about your future, you know, stuff like that. You know, so I sat him down somewhere. I told my wife, who was just a member of our fellowship then, we need to pray for someone, called two other guys. And glory to God. Now, the demon began to react, said all manner of things. Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. Emmanuel, I know. Um, ah, we watch your ministry from India. I was like, ah, I thought we know you on TV. That's really cool. You know, and said something. He said, I told those boys, as he was about to go, he said, I told those boys. Very, very lousy demon. They can't cast me out. This is a, he mentioned one other lady that was known to be prayerful. You know, his staff. Remember his staff? He said, even this lady can't cast me out. And before he left, <laughs> true life story, he began to counsel the other people that were with me. He's, he said, you people don't know what you have. You don't know what you have. He said, follow this man. <laughs> he, said, <laughs> he said, soak the word. It's not, it's not by <laughs> praise the name of Jesus. Now, we don't learn about God from demons. But from the word of God, I know one thing for sure. It's not just about the recitation. You start reciting Psalms. After, you, after Psalms, you start entering, you know, you know m- mysterious verses. You know, those Jeremiah, Ezekiel, you know, they'll be saying th- people will be saying things they don't know. Out of context. Hallelujah. But I just discovered that if you focus on who you are in Christ... All these other things, they they just appear to connect of their own accord. Are you listening to me? I've I've discovered that prayer has a lot more to do with destiny than with needs. Hallelujah. Prayer helps me function properly. It helps me function as God will have me function. Because when God made man, his purpose was fellowship. And so if God's purpose for mankind is fellowship, that means prayer is about fellowship. And when I fellowship, every other thing will be under control. Hallelujah. I've read to you Acts chapter 13 a million times. I'll read it a billion times more. There's so much to learn from it. But the Bible says that the apostles, they came together and they were ministering to the Lord. They were not praying for a new job. They were ministering to the Lord. They were not praying for direction. They were ministering to the Lord. They were not praying for a healing. They were ministering to the Lord. And the Bible says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, 
I have found out that people who minister to the Lord, they hear from God more than people who say, speak Lord, speak, 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 your servant yes. They were just there to enjoy themselves, to delight in God, and to be God's delight. That's why, that's why they were there. No prayer points. Just fellowship. Hallelujah. Come on, are you with me? So, these guys, they were not planning. Alright? Of course, they, they, they planned, they expected God to speak to them, definitely. But they did not come with any prayer request. And whilst they were at it, the Holy Ghost said, Come on, glory to God. An instruction came in fellowship. An instruction came. An instruction came. Hallelujah. Prayer has a lot more to do with destiny than with needs. Have you noticed in the New Testament, you will hardly see a prayer for needs. Look at the prayers that Paul prayed. Can I tell you something? If people today decide to pray only Bible prayers, especially New Testament prayers, it will be difficult. They are not used to it. One thing you will discover when you decide to pray the Bible way is that you have not prioritized properly. Because now, you know, I remember years ago, I wanted to get prayers in the New Testament. Prayers in the Word. You understand what I'm saying? Just went to Ephesians. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I'm like, revelation is important. Thank you, Lord. But what about... <laughs> Come on, are you following what I'm saying? Talk to me, Lord. Take me deeper. I want most people who pray all those prayers, they use you have to use scriptures out of context. Have you noticed? Because Paul, you will never hear imagine just imagine maybe Paul was in a prayer meeting with James, John, Peter, and we're like, you say after me, Oh Lord God. Can you can you picture that? As I begin to pray now. Let thunder pursue my enemies. Eh? Think about that. <laughs> and if you cannot picture them pray like that, why do you pray like that? In fact, more dangerously, where did you learn to pray? Hallelujah. Are there dimensions of prayer that we have caught today that Paul did not know? Do you understand my question? If we pray the way Paul prayed, are we still going to get answers? Are the demons still going to flee? Are you comfortable with the word of God? Is the word of God enough for you? That's the question. Or you need extra? Come on, is my, is my question clear to you? In fact, you will hardly see a prayer for things in the New Testament. Hardly. So you come to Ephesians. 
It says, ever since I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love unto all the saints, I've not ceased to give thanks for you. Making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know the hope of his calling. He got to chapter 3. He says, for this cause, I bow my knees to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That he might grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. So, he's praying for you to know who you are, what Christ has done. That appears to be the priority. He's praying Christ-centered prayers. He's praying for you to see. Everything he connected to Christ. That's the same way he prayed to the church at Colossae. Same thing. Hallelujah. So a good Bible student who wants to learn about prayer, the first thing that will happen is your priority will be realigned. Your priority will be realigned. Because when I function properly, when I function according to destiny, needs will no longer be a problem. Hear yourself pray. Every demonic oppression tormenting me in the village. You see, the fact that there is a demonic oppression tormenting you means you need to pray the way Paul prayed. Paul was praying for you that you will know the exceeding greatness of God's power, us who believe. If you know that power, no demon will torment you in the village. It cannot work. Come on, are you with me? Yes, sir. Demonic what? Jazz on who? What type of jazz would that be? Hallelujah. You were sleeping and something pressed you. Eh? Hallelujah. You know, it just happened to me before as a new believer. But then I began to learn the things I'm teaching you. And then one night, I woke up and I felt something pressing me. You know what I did? I, you know, before, I was, saying, I was trying to call Jesus. I couldn't. I was trying to, you know. You know what I did? I just started smiling. I was waiting for them to finish. Because when you finish, except you want to hold me here forever. When you finish, no matter where you go, my word will touch you. I mean, I was literally smiling. I just waited. The moment they were done, I jumped up. Bratoto. <laughs> Since that day, <laughs> it has not happened again. If I catch you, uh, Hallelujah. Say that's my life. That's my life. What if you knew that in Christ? All these things don't matter. What if you knew? What if you knew that in Christ, the devil has no hold on you? What will be your prayer? What will be your prayer points? 
What if it dawns on you that indeed he has poured principalities and powers and made a public display of them openly, triumphing over them in it? What, what then will you pray when all your battles are won? Hallelujah. There is a deeper purpose to prayer. I still have a lot to share with you. But I want to make sure that I can cover everything. And the people will pray a bit. We'll pray more on Sunday. Just some thoughts for you to think about. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 9. We'll read three scriptures and then we'll move on. Hallelujah. Read it. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 9 together. One, two, go. Read it again. One, two, go. God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Say, God is faithful by whom I was called into the fellowship of Of the son Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So I've been called to fellowship. There is a fellowship in the son. Glory to God. That's my destiny. Hallelujah. He predestined. That we be conformed to the image of his beloved son. That's my destiny. There is a fellowship in the son. Hallelujah. So now, this is why I pray. When I pray, I engage my spirit in fellowship with divinity. Hallelujah. I open up my soul to fellowship. I open up my heart to destiny. Jesus said that that day you will know that I am in the Father and the Father is, and that the Father is in me and I in you and you in me. This is the greater purpose of prayer. That fellowship, that rendezvous. Hallelujah. God is faithful. Look at what Paul said in Romans chapter 5. Verse 1. Or read verse 1 and 2. Are you learning anything? It says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom, everybody read verse 2 together, want to go. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Hallelujah. It says, by Christ we have access. We've been granted access into this grace, into this fellowship. Access. This is a privilege that angels don't have. It says to this, to the end that to the principalities and powers might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. We educate principalities and powers. We will judge angels. Don't you understand? This is fellowship of the God kind. Hallelujah. The fellowship that I'm talking about, they're beyond needs. Beyond needs. 
beyond want. It's a type of fellowship that will make Jesus, you know, preach in a boat that belongs to a fisherman that had been unprofitable all night. And when he's done, he's a cast your net. Hallelujah. Instead of, Uluwa, Uluwa, shave for me. Supply, supply. Is that kind of mastery possible? Lord, I thank you because you have heard me. You hear me always. Is it possible? Glory to God. Come on, I said glory to God. This is why we pray. This is why we pray. I want to show you something. In John chapter 14 and John chapter 16, Jesus taught on prayer. We read John chapter 14 on Sunday. In fact, that's where we ended. In John chapter 14 verse 14, he says, And if you shall ask me anything or ask anything in my name, I will do it. And then in John chapter 16, he says, Ask unto your joy is full. But what you need to realize is the context in which he said ask. In those two chapters, he was talking about what was about to happen. He was talking about his redemptive work. He was about to die, be buried. He was about to rise again. And he was letting them know that that redemptive work would change how prayer should be done. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, the moment he explained what he was about to do, he now told them, at that day, this is how you will pray. Praise the name of Jesus. So, that tells you, hey God, that what we can birth through prayer and by praying in the name now, is not even as important as just the mere access to the name. The mere privilege in the name. And what is more important is who we are now than what we can get. If we understand who we are now, what we can get will follow cheaply. Let's see if we can study, study it for a bit. Now, this is too long for us to exhaust. But we'll touch on it a little. Look at John chapter 16, verse 20. You know, he had told them he's going to die. And, you know, they were troubled and sorrowful. Peter, you know, even felt that solidarity blood. You know, he said, I will die for you. Where are you going? Just tell me. Talking about the closing verses of John chapter 3. He says, I tell, John chapter 13. He says, I tell you most assuredly. The cock will not crow until you have denied me thrice. (laughs) Brother Ginger. Calm down. You will deny me. So he he began to tell them, let not your heart be troubled. He he began to explain (laughs) that this death was not really going to be a bad thing after all. So John chapter 16 verse 20, follow me now. He says, most assuredly I say to you that you will weep and lament. But the world will rejoice And you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow, come on, glory to God. Your sorrow will be turned into joy. Is that what happened or not? That from one of the most sorrowful events 
in the universe came the greatest joys of the universe. He says, you will lament, you will weep, but your sorrow will be turned to joy. That's the gospel. That someone died, but it was a good thing. Hallelujah. It, it did good for me that he died. Because when he died, he rose again. And when he rose, I rose with him. Glory to God. Verse 21, he gives an analogy. He says, a woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remains in anguish. For joy that a human being has been born into the world. Do you understand that analogy? This is a woman in labor. Pay attention now. A woman in labor. Pay attention. You want to follow her? There's a woman in labor. I can tell you that pain. <laughs> oh my Jesus. <laughs> you know. I don't even know if I have clearance to tell you this. <laughs> but when. You know I'd read books. I'd watch movies. The movies is smaller. They did not tell the half of it. And the worst thing is you are the man, so you have to be the one encouraging. You know? So, you know, she's holding. Ah! You know, and I'm, at some point, I was like, sorry, dear, I know you're going through a lot, you, but you're going to break my hand. So, oh, sorry. You know, so, you know. And then I was forming tough guy, you know, encouraging her. You know, I, I hated to see my wife like that. The moment... Edima came out. When everything was done, the rush of emotions came. Then I'm, I now started my own crying. <laughs> I, I can't explain why. I just started crying. She was not telling me, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> you know? But, but when I was hearing other people's stories, uh, I said, I, uh, I tried. My brother-in-law, the moment he saw the baby coming out, he ran away. He, he was on the road, the main road. They called him. It's over. It's over. Your baby is here. Come on. I heard of a man. You know. They told him, oh, we need to buy, what do they call this thing now? Something for the baby. He came to the hospital with a car. He forgot. He started running. You know, on the road. <laughs> it's hard to explain. <laughs> All kinds of emotions. As we were preparing. I said, rub my back. What's wrong with you? Rub my back. And you know. That moment, I'm not pastor. I'm, I said, sorry, sorry. After a after few seconds, why are you rubbing my back? I said, so. <laughs> you have to understand, she was not herself. <laughs> but the moment the baby came, hallelujah. Glory to God. I can relate to this because I, I know from, from experience. It says, the joy will take away the anguish. 
glory to God. And that was the, he was using that to describe his death, burial, and resurrection. Verse 22, he says, therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again. And your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. Hallelujah. Here is the part now. Here is the part now. Verse 23. Everybody read verse 23 together. One to go. And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say unto you. Whatever you ask the father in my name. He will give you. Hallelujah. Verse 24. He says until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask. And you will receive. That your joy may be full. Your new identity will change your prayer life forever. Don't forget, the people he was talking to, he had taught to pray. A lot of people who still pray the Lord's Prayer and is good, is nice. Do you understand? But you have to understand, there is a deeper dimension of prayer that he was introducing here now. Are you with me? I hope that doesn't offend you. Because some people are just unnecessarily sensitive. It's the word of God. Hallelujah. Jesus had taught them how to pray. But he said, up until now, you have not prayed this way. But that day, you will ask until your joy is full. He said, up until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Think about that. In the Lord's Prayer, do you see in Jesus' name there? So that's not post-redemptive. There is a post-redemptive perspective to prayer. You are praying knowing that your high priest is seated. It's a different perspective. A different ideology. A different authority. The Bible says that God has given him a name above every name. That at the name Jesus, every knee should bow. This is post-redemptive. You have to understand in the incarnation when he was on earth, they went out in his name to cast out devils. But the name we are talking about after the resurrection is even higher. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you listening to me? So you have to understand that the revelation of your identity in Christ is a new perspective to prayer. It's a new syllabus on prayer. So after he told them what he was about to do, who they will be in his new provision, he started to teach on prayer afresh. The same thing in John chapter 14. Go there with me quickly. Time is fast spent. John chapter 14. From verse 1. Hallelujah. He had just told the disciples in chapter 13 that he was going to die. He said, I'm going. Metaphor, metaphor for dying. And where I go, you cannot come. But you will, you will follow me later. Peter said, where are you going that I cannot follow you? He said, I will lay down my life for you. What, I, what, what do you mean? He said, bro. <laughs> he said, the cock will not crow until you have denied me thrice. So now they were emotional. You're going to die, you know. Peter, you know, spoke of the moment. was like, I will die with you, but he was lying. But at least he, he, he just wanted to communicate the fact that he was not happy. So John chapter 14 starts with Jesus saying, let not your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. So he is justifying his going away. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. 
He said, in my father's house, there are many mansions. If we were not so, I would have told you. He says, I go. What did I tell you I go means? He says, my death, my dying will prepare a place for you. A lot of people thought that this mansion was a physical building. That immediately Jesus died and rose again and went to heaven. Angel said, oh yeah, this is your hand through it. <laughs> A lot of people, that was the perspective they have. But follow through now. Let's just read it. Follow carefully. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to you and take you to the mansion. Is that what he said? I will come again to you and do what? Receive you to myself. So that where I am, hallelujah. So what is the mansion? (laughs) He didn't say I will come and take you to the mansion. He says I will come and receive you to myself. So that fellowship, that association is the mansion, the dwelling places. In my father's family, there are many dwelling places. Many places of abode, many associations. He's talking about identity. That's why he said, in that day, you will know that I'm in the Father. The Father is in me and I in you and you in him. Look at verse 18, just in case you are still lost. Hallelujah. Don't let me read verse 18. I will have to read so many things. Um, Thank you, Jesus. I'm trying to cut it short and I'm ending up taking time. Look at verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home. Where? So, really... The mansion, the place he was going to prepare was us. His dying and his going was to make us a suitable dwelling place for the father. So this is, this is a revelation on identity. Alright? A revelation on identity. Listen, this was not a scripture on the second coming. This was a scripture on resurrection. On redemption, on salvation. That's why he started talking about the Holy Spirit. I don't have time to dwell on that. But, but flow with me now. Alright. So long and short. In my father's family, in my father's Ikea, there are many money. I'm using the Greek words now. Dwelling places. I go. To prepare you to be a place for me. 
<laughs> Alright. And then now, he begins to say something. Oh, glory to God. Verse 11. He says, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the work's sake. Most assuredly I say to you, who, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he shall do also. And greater works than this will he do because I go to my Father. Now that you understand what go to my father means, first of all, let me be sure you're following me. What does go to my father mean? His death, burial, and resurrection, right? So he's going to the father. It's not as if he was packing his bag. I'm going to. He was telling them he was about to be killed. Praise the Lord. All right. So now he says, you will do greater works because I go to my father. You know, years ago, I thought he said, okay, well, I'm leaving the earth for you people. So you will do greater works just because I'm not there. You'll be shining because I'm not around. But it is his going that will make the greater works possible. Hallelujah. Because he was going to be exalted and given a name above every name. And so they will be able to do greater works as a result. That's why he came and said, all power in heaven and earth have been given to me. Go ye therefore. Hallelujah. And so what did he say next? Glory to God. Verse 13. And whatever you ask in my name. That I will do. That the father may be glorified in the son. Everybody read verse 13 together. I want to go. Read verse 14 together. One, two, go. Hallelujah. You know what a lot of people do? They just go straight to verse 13. Go straight to verse 14. But listen, there is a precedence here. <laughs> there is a precedence here. If verse 13 and verse 14 will work, you first of all have to understand what he has done. Why are greater works possible? Who am I because Christ is risen from the dead? That's what makes verse 13 and 14 work. So it turns out that my increased consciousness of my identity in the resurrected one will make prayer far more powerful than it has been. Because this is a new teaching on prayer. Jesus is alive. That's a new teaching on prayer. He has a name above every name. At the name Jesus, every knee would bow. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Have you understood that? Do you understand the power in the name? Do you understand the redemption? Have you learned to fellowship in the redemption? Glory to God. This will make you more effective. Spend time to understand this gospel. (laughs) Spend time. When you do, things will change. Hallelujah. Years ago, when people 
were casting out devils. It usually used to take like two hours. You will actually almost literally beg the demon before the demon will leave. You say, go. The demon say, no. You remove your cufflinks. I say, go. The demon say, no. You will fold it. Fold your sleeves. I say, go. You know, you remove your shirt. Remove your shoe. Go. But I read in the word of God that Jesus will step into the synagogue and people will start screaming. <sighs> Today I read it, I said, ah, I like this one now. This one is better. Praise the Lord. And it's not by moving of head. Do you understand? You stand a better chance if you stay your head and look into your Bible well. Take your time. Soak it in. Glory to God. And then you spend more time fellowshipping. Just knowing who you are in Christ. Then when you step out. (laughs) You will get things done faster. You will be more effective. Glory to God. In Acts chapter 2. The first time people prayed in the spirit. The interpretation was that they were speaking the wondrous works of God. They were speaking the wondrous works of God. It wasn't warfare. It wasn't deliverance. They were just praising God. You see that? In Acts chapter 14, when Paul was talking about praying in the spirit, praying in the understanding... He said, lest when you bless with the Spirit, which is, which is the focus of even praying in tongues. When you bless with the Spirit, someone will say amen to your giving thanks. Even though you give thanks well, praise the name of Jesus. There's a reason he gave that example. Because I can tell you categorically that 90% of the time or more, when you pray with the Spirit, you're actually blessing the Lord. Because in the realm of the spirit, your spirit does not recognize boundaries, does not recognize limitations. In your mind, you're just like, you want to remind God about the job. You want to remind God about your leg that has been paining you. You know, but the moment you begin to pray in the spirit and the interpretation comes, you are, you, you are more likely to sound like this. I thank you, Father. I have victory. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You're more likely to sound like that. And in your mind, you want to zoom into the things that are around you. Father, remember this one. Father, remember this one. But the moment you pray in the spirit again, you are saying, I'm more than a conqueror through him that loves me. No wonder we are more effective when we pray in the spirit. Hallelujah. I want to give you a challenge. Focus on God. Focus on God. You might have had prayer lists. 200 prayer points. Hallelujah. Make spiritual growth your priority. Spend more time studying the word of God. Spend more time thanking God about who you are in Christ. Amen. Amen. 
when it comes to exercising authority. <laughs> Worship more. Bless more. I remember the first time the Lord taught me what I'm teaching, teaching you. I entered into a room with a violent guy. Possessed with a demon. And the Lord said, close your eye and worship me. Ah. Are you listening to what I'm saying? And so, you know, just out of trust. Say, Father, I bless you, you know. And it had, it had not done it for five minutes. I heard, bam, on the floor. This guy that even five people could not hold was to the floor by the presence of God. That's how we fight our battles. Praise more. Worship more. Hallelujah. What Christ has done is the biggest thing God will ever do. God cannot outdo what he has done in Christ. Talk about it in prayer. Focus on it. Therein lies your victory. There is no greater victory outside Christ. There is no greater name. There is no... Listen to this. There is no greater power to contact in prayer and fasting than the revelation of what Christ has done. Spend time on that one. Ephesians 1.15 that you hear me say all the time. Quote it to yourself. The eyes of my understanding are enlightened. To know the hope of his calling. The riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. The exceeding greatness of his power. Also what we believe. Imagine you are fasting for many days. And that's the only thing you are saying. The moment you get that one right. All the other needs are met forever. Say loud amen. A friend of mine spending time fellowshipping with God. He slept and in the dream he saw a product. Are you listening to me? <laughs> he saw a product. He woke up, he learned how to make it, started producing it. And now he makes, I think, 100,000 naira every day. From selling it. Did you hear what I said? He dreamt. Hallelujah. Father, open the door. Open the door. Open, open the floodgates. You know, first of all, that's a bad prayer. Because when the Bible talks about floodgates, it was in the days of Noah. When it was going to rain down and destroy the earth. And that's what you are praying for. That's why your songs are giving you away. They are proving that you need to read your Bible. Hallelujah. I sat with someone on, on Sunday. And then he was just sharing testimonies about his business and all of that. And then he showed me. On Facebook Messenger, a message I sent to him, I think 2012. You know, 
It's funny to even say, he bought me credits. 1K. 1,000 credits. So I just said, thank you. And as I was typing, you know, I just gave a prophecy. You know, and I, and I, I couldn't even remember, you know, but you, I was reading it. I knew it was my account. So I said, in the dreams of the night, says the Lord, I will speak to you and I will direct you. So he said, he had been noticing that for the past many months, something will wake him up. He will go, because he's, he lives in his office, he has an appointment. He will go to his desk, he will write things, do it in his business, things will turn around. And for some reason, one day he just went back to that message and saw. Oh, so it is possible that as I just minister to the Lord and I'm fasting, not because, you know, God turned things around. Direction can come for my business, for my relationship. Direction can come. So you mean, I, the Bible says, Jesus himself said, your father already knows the things that you have need of. He already knows. So your obsession about your needs are not helping. Fellowship. Your answer is in the fellowship. Are you listening to me? Your answer is in the fellowship. So for the rest of this prayer and fasting time, focus on him. Just enjoy. Listen to sermons. And I'm not even talking about <laughs> warfare sermons. Just listen to sermons you know, that tell you who you are in Christ. Alright? Meditate on it. Meditate. Can I tell you something? Listen to this. You will not grow in power if you don't do what I'm asking you to do. That's the way to grow in power. That's... Has it, has it happened to you that you prayed for long and you finish it? You, you know that it, the Lord hears you when you pray. That's your only assurance. You, you didn't feel stayed. Has it happened to you before? Don't answer. <laughs> but I know you know what I'm saying. But if you learn to meditate and confess in prayer who you are in Christ, put your needs aside. Let me just ask you this. If Jesus appears to you, do you think you are going to ask about your needs? You might say, in fact, if he tells you, I'm going to appear to you in the next one hour. You might say, I will ask for this, I will ask for this. When you see him, you will forget. Or you don't know. You will just be like, and you will worship till he's gone. But when you are done, the needs will not be there. Hallelujah. Say, that's my life. life. When you just take up five loaves and two, raise it up and give thanks, you break and start sharing. Do you believe this at all? All right, I know time is fast spent. Please get on the keys. You're just going to stand up and we'll worship for a few minutes. We'll worship for a few minutes. He said, ah, the pain is in my body. Worship for a few minutes. For the first time in months, take your mind off that pain and focus on God. Can you do that? I want you to act like you're ready. Are you ready to do that? Thank you, Lord.
thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings. Thank you.